This is the John Oakley Show podcast. We looked at the information that was already available to the government in March and the information that they were provided to make a decision on showed two different things. One, that if you have a very strong lockdown, you cut down the cases very quickly. But the downside of that is that the number of deaths in the long run goes up. So in the case of the UK, it wasn't completely obvious what the government should do. It depended a little bit on whether they were more worried about uh, saving the, uh, the health service and the hospitals from being overcrowded, or whether they were willing to risk a few more deaths in, in the long run. It, it appears that the decision that they, they took was to make things somewhat better in the short term at the probable expense of well, the second wave that we're experiencing now in, in the UK, and po- quite possibly more deaths in the future if there's no uh, uh, no vaccine. Right. Uh, I guess I'm asking if this is sort of a critique of their approach to things. Uh, could they have handled it better? Is that what was is being intimated here from the study? Well, I don't like to tell them how to handle it. The decisions that they took were probably the best decisions to stop the epidemic growing very, very fast in the short term and quite possibly um, the wrong decisions in, in the longer term. What happened in in the UK was the uh, the virus first arrived in the sort of 40 to 60 age group, and then rather quickly moved into the older age group where it can can do most damage. Uh, it never really got to the the youngest people because we went straight into a lockdown um, when it had already reached the older age older generation, and uh, so the younger people didn't really experience it in the first wave. And now we're seeing in the second wave that they're the people who are uh, are being hit by this this thing. So you've got two models that you looked at or presented here uh, in simulation. Tell me uh, how one differs from the other and which might have been uh, more efficient or effective. Well, again, it's it's really a decision of between do you want to have short-term pain or long-term slightly less pain but going on for for a longer period of time. If you commit to doing lockdowns, you can keep the, the number of cases reasonable, you can keep your health service functioning, but you will continue to have more waves of the, the infection and it will go on for years or until there's, there's some sort of vaccine to resolve it. The initial uh, case, if, if they'd allowed it to um, run without any interventions in Uh, in the UK, it would very quickly have overwhelmed our health service and um, it would have been really horrendous for three or four months as we couldn't cope, as people who wanted to access health care couldn't get it. And then it would be over. And that's an awful decision for the government to have had to make. And um, as I say, they they, they clearly decided to to prolong it rather than to face that kind of uh, situation. And that is understandable, certainly. Uh, who would have the, you know, the political fortitude to make that call uh, when in the immediate you would have these horrific uh, deaths? And But as you say, the modeling shows uh, more, more lives saved in the long term. But also, you said overwhelming the health services. The cost of health care would be too severe. Uh, we've heard criticisms early on now of this study saying that that was why it was impractical to go about it uh, and allow things to sort of play themselves out. 
and by the way, are there any places, I mean, I was citing Sweden earlier, uh, would we say the Swedish model is one example where the health authority was the definitive word and they allowed things for the most part to play themselves out? Uh, how'd that work out well, for them? Not, not really. So there were certain things that Sweden did very badly wrong, which uh, in particular was they also allowed the, the virus to get into the older age groups, which was a, was a problem in the UK. It was also a problem in, in care homes in Sweden. So when you see how Sweden had many more deaths than their Nordic neighbours, that's the, the reason for that. Um, I think the the main advantage of the Swedish approach, which was not that different from anywhere else in, in Europe, except that they didn't require people to lock down. So they essentially said, you can stay home if you want to. There's a deadly disease out there. If you want to go to work, you can. But we recommend you stay home. The consequence of that was that uh, Swedes were effectively as uh, reduced in contact with one another as, as most other countries in, in Europe. But I think the benefit of that is that Swedes are not so fed up with their government now of being told what to do. They, they feel that, uh, um, you know, ironically, if, if any country in, in Europe now could successfully put a lockdown in, it would be Sweden. Really? Well, it's interesting because uh, you're right. There's exasperation on the part of people here as well, uh, which is why the uniformity is missing when you've got or a consensus, a broad social consensus to, to lock down. And uh, people have been, you know, defying that, uh, which again leads to spikes in numbers. But as long as we protect the vulnerable, the elderly, etc., uh, I guess we're managing somewhat okay. But what's interesting to me, uh, and maybe you can help, the Swedish model, just before I'm uh, moving on here, they let the kids go back to school, though. They never did shut the schools, did they? Uh, they didn't, and that doesn't seem to have had, well, within our model, it, that doesn't seem to have caused any great difficulty in, in Sweden. They had more cases in children, but children are very, very unlikely to suffer serious consequences from that. I, I don't know what the story is in, in Canada, but uh, here in Scotland, where I am, I think nobody under 30 has died of, uh, of the coronavirus, and certainly no, no children have. Um, um. So Same here. They are, you know, if not immune, they can get a wee bit sick. The, the risk, of course, is whether they then transmit it to, to older people. And part of our study was to use some very careful social science that's been done over the last 10 years, looking at who in practice spends time with who. And what you find is that almost everybody spends most of their time in contact with people of the same age group. The only real departure from that is that, that uh, children spend time with their parents. So once the, the virus gets into one particular age group, it tends to stay there. Um, and so even if there was a big outbreak in schools, it would be some time before it kind of crept into the, the older age groups where it could do a lot of damage. Again, with Graham Ackland, computer simulation prof at the University of Edinburgh, whose uh, study of the uh, and modeling based on the data in the UK uh, in the early stages of the lockdown, showing lockdowns may actually uh, be more harmful. Uh, you'll take your pain. You know, you can maybe forestall uh, the spread right now, but it leads to greater deaths in the long run. 
a tough political call, as we were saying. I'm kind of intrigued, though, when you say uh, when the measures from a lockdown are scaled back, infection rates bound upwards, especially in young people, and push the model into a deadlier second wave. Explain that, if you will. Um, well, it's essentially because if you haven't reduced the, uh, the the concept of an R number, which is quite popular in the UK, the number of people that each person infects, if you don't get that below one, then the virus will come back again. And every time you re- release the um, uh, every time you, you release the uh, the the interventions, it'll go back up again. What we found is that if you don't allow it to spread into the the schools and the younger people the first time around, then they're just there again, waiting to spread it the second time. What we found, as I said, in the, in the UK was that the first the first wave of the virus was mainly in older people and never trickled down into to younger people. If if it had, then there would be fewer younger people vulnerable to it at this at this time than there are at the moment. So where does that leave us at present? I mean, now that we're seven months into this and uh, we're seeing affected partial lockdowns of certain segments of the uh, of the uh, economy, you know, bars and restaurants and uh, gymnasiums, no theaters and so on and so forth. Is this just playing whack-a-mole? Uh, we're keeping the numbers down. And as soon as we open things up a little more, away we go again. So it's effectively just postponing the pandemic. I think that's that's the situation at the moment. And the question is whether that's the you know, terrible situation of just postponing it at the cost of keeping a lockdown forever or the more rosy picture of postponing it until there's a vaccine that uh, that will get us out of this hole and that's a decision that the politicians have have to make whether they uh, whether they think there's a vaccine just around the corner and we should we should hunker down and wait for it to come or whether we need to get the uh, uh, the pain of the the pandemic over without compounding it with with economic problems as well. It's a tough call all around, uh, but you do say, and I found this to be intriguing and a challenge, uh, if you had done nothing, it would all be over by now. It would have been absolutely horrendous, but it would be over. It wouldn't even have been completely lunatic to do nothing. Well, I think as as a scientist, you have to present to the government all the possibilities that uh, that there would be and that was an option i think they immediately recoiled from doing it and i i can completely understand why that was um because you know hundreds of thousands of people in in the uk would have died as a result of doing nothing um and then also as i say it would have been over much much quicker it's really not for me to say whether that's the way society should should organize itself that's what we have elected politicians for but i'm i'm pretty convinced that that was good advice that they were were given but uh, even even given good advice if you have to make a choice between two terrible op- options then you're going to pick a you're going to pick a bad option because there are only bad options yeah. so i fear that's where where they were Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.